Welcome to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief, a monthly recap of the macroeconomic and market environment. Well, greetings and welcome to the Investment Strategy Brief podcast. This is Michael O'Keefe, Stiefel's Chief Investment Officer. And here in September 2023, I want to get into the following topic, and that is, does firmer inflation put soft landing at risk? So we're going to get into sort of recent inflation prints, what's going on with the economy, um, and ultimately how that all translates back to markets. And in fact, uh, in some ways, those are the sort of the anchors of our focus recently. We've been focused on the economy, where things are going, whether we're experiencing a soft landing. We've been focused on inflation and what that will mean for Fed policy. And then finally, of course, focused on markets. On the equity side, that's about earnings and on a related note, profit margins, CapEx. Uh, but also on the fixed income side, it's where are rates today, where are they headed? So let's jump into it first with the economy. So as we've talked about in a number of episodes, essentially there's been so much support uh, provided into the system in the wake of the pandemic, uh, a big increased money supply, the Fed balance sheet still much bigger than it was pre-pandemic. And, um, and then there's been a spend down in excess savings. Now, that's gotten to a point, and depending on what you look at, uh, that could be down to as low as a couple hundred billion dollars. Uh, there's sort of a view out there developing that the bulk of the excess savings that's going to be spent has been spent. So that tailwind that we've been talking about really for the consumer uh, is a little bit uh, at risk. Um, and of course, if we think about student loans and that sort of forgiveness period uh, rolling off, so now... Uh, Former students who have debt are going to have to redirect what might have been discretionary spending back to uh, basically paying down their debt. Um, essentially, we've seen a couple of things that could serve in the future as a headwind for the consumer. But ultimately, when we look at current activity, retail sales, personal spending more generally, those uh, metrics basically are running uh, above average. And so when we couple that with the fact that uh, sentiment has sort of bottomed out and has recovered some, so for example, the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Measure bottomed out and it's recovered some, basically what we're seeing is the consumer so far has been holding up. That's not quite as true on the business side. So there has been a, a slowdown in uh, profits. There's been a slowdown in earnings, there's been a slowdown in capital expenditure uh, spending, basically. And um, and so, you know, the bottom line is on the business side, as we've talked about before, there's been a bit more of a slowdown. And in fact, when we look at sentiment metrics, for example, the NFIB, small business sentiment, is near its uh, local lows. So just, uh, you know, say the, the business side of things have, have cooled a little bit more. Now, as it relates to the economy and especially the consumer, a tight labor market has been a real tailwind as well. And um, so when we look at, for example, um, the various metrics like job openings, uh, jobs created, non-farm payrolls, uh, and jobless claims, those are reflective of a tight labor market, but they've been improving and uh, with that, then, a decline in sort of year-over-year wage growth, 
which you know is an important consideration. It's in all of this, the tight labor market is something the Fed watches very, very closely. All of that has led to a first half of 2023, as we've discussed before, that has been better than expected in terms of the macroeconomic environment. And um, and then when we look out, the consensus view is that the third quarter is going to hold up pretty well. And then we start to see things slowing down in the fourth quarter of 2023 and into first quarter. And then depending on the expert you might take a look at, some people are calling for a recession, some people are not. Uh, recall that at the beginning of the year, we talked about things slowing down to near zero at some point, and that we didn't necessarily expect a recession, but if one were to occur, we don't think it's going to be deep. Now, that's the open question, right? So the Fed has hiked rates quite a lot, and um, and so there's, of course, the lag effect of higher rates, and we're going to get into that. And the question is whether that's going to slow things down a little bit further. Now, as it relates to some of the pressures with higher rates, I want to go over a few metrics. Again, this is just about kind of getting a, a sense for where things are and where troubles might emerge down the road. But essentially, when we look, for example, at U.S. household debt, and now I'm going back to the before the uh, financial crisis uh, through today, basically there's just over $5 trillion in more in U.S. household debt. Now when we look at corporate debt, so really we're focused on the U.S. corporate debt that isn't related to financials. Basically, over that same period, pre-financial crisis through 2023, it's up $7 trillion. And so think of it as with lower rates, um, essentially, and that's was the case, for uh, sort of in the wake of the financial crisis, essentially both the, um, actually three areas, the households, corporations, and actually the government has really built up debt. Another important sort of metric is looking at, for example, adjustable rate mortgages. They were very popular, more popular prior to the financial crisis. So just over 21% of mortgages were essentially a variable rate. And now that number's down to 5.6%. And so think of it as a recognition that when rates were low, people were borrowing more money, companies were borrowing more money. They were doing so with fixed rates. And as those different loans mature, or let's say somebody looks to move, essentially everything needs to reset higher with the higher level of rates that we're seeing. And one minor thing as it relates, a relatively minor thing as it relates to corporations, you know, essentially what we're seeing is uh, that the over that same period, the cash uh, available in companies is up over 200%. And um, so think of it as um, uh, the idea that there's more cash around, that they can use that cash to service the debt, but also with rates up higher, they can invest that cash and basically uh, use that those extra uh, proceeds, if you will, to help pay off debt. So anyway, that's kind of those are the sort of the, some of the issues and headwinds on the economy. Let's turn to inflation. And I mentioned we we basically had a, an inflation report here in September that uh, was just a little higher than expected. So for example, we saw a jump up in what, what's called the sticky inflation type data. So think of things like medical services, education, personal care, and housing. And, you know, the bottom line is a little bit of a jump. Um, 
And when we look at things like inflation expectations, right now the investors see break-evens actually below 2% over the next year. And then in the two and a quarter to two and a half percent range over the next five or 10 years. As has been the case in the past, the consumer is a little bit more cautious. So the views out um, over the next year, for example, uh, of the consumer are for inflation to be over uh, 3% based on a University of Michigan survey. And then there's a conference board uh, series that actually posts that number at 5.8%. So again, the consumer is a little bit more worried about inflation. And then in addition to that um, sticky inflation, just the more general CPI and actually the producer price index both uh, came out uh, in line with expectations, but the expectations for, were for a little bit of a bump up. The most notable kind of contributor to that was energy prices. Think about gas prices, for example, up quite a lot in the month of September. And that sort of, no pun intended, but fueled some some firmer inflation. Now, it, it turns out, I, I happen to be recording this on Monday the 18th, as mentioned. L- later this week, have, we have a Fed meeting. Right now, the market is seeing the Fed holding rates uh, constant and is kind of skipping a hike for this next meeting. But again, we'll see how that plays out. In any event, uh, the view for sure is that the Fed's expecting to keep rates higher for longer. Those uh, higher rates, as we've discussed, are are basically a headwind uh, on um, the economy. Now, uh, turning then finally to market performance. So uh, we've talked a lot about this, but it's just generally been a good year for s- the stock market. So the S&P 500 is up uh, a little over 17%. And um, that's driven to a good degree by the big tech stocks. So the New York Stock Exchange FANG Plus Index is up 73.5% over the same period. Again, this is year to date through, uh, this sept- happens to be September 15th. And, um, and so, you know, the bottom line is the growth-oriented side of the market has done pretty well. Uh, value, okay, but not as, not as good. And so um, the value index, uh, for example, the Russell 1000 value up over 5% year-to-date over that same period. And interestingly, an equal-weighted S&P, that sort of softens the impact of those big companies, especially the big tech companies, is also up about 5.5% year-to-date. So those bigger tech companies definitely have dominated, you know, what people might um, think of it as a narrow market. And one sort of nuance, which we've talked about before, is the market did broaden out, meaning the broader uh, participants in the market or companies in the market participated in stronger performance um, since around June 1st. And so what we're seeing from June 1st to September 15th is that cap-weighted index up 59 but that equal weighted up still about 5.4. So not quite to the level of the cap weighted index, but doing pretty well. And the idea with that is that, that, that there are um, now sort of a broader uh, set of stocks that are performing a little bit better. When we look at valuation based on that cap weighted S&P 500, as we talked about in the last episode, the, the market remains a little bit overvalued by historic standards. So when we're looking at 2024 earnings, we're seeing uh, an, a P.E. ratio of about 18 times uh, earnings for the current uh, level of the market. And that is a little bit higher than long-term standards but or averages. But uh, I will say this, that 
premium is calculated to be about 6%, but when we look at that equal weighted index, so think of it as uh, um, essentially treating all stocks similarly, the market is actually still trading at about an 11% discount. And I, I've said that this in different ways, in different forms. You know, the bottom line is what that tells us is that uh, investors, there's opportunity basically to find uh, uh, good values in the stock market and invest as active managers typically do. Now, another thing I'll update is just to say that, hey, when we look at the momentum in the market, that first half versus the second half of the year, and we go back uh, all the way to the 1950s. Anytime um, the S&P 500 earned greater than 10% of the first half of the year, all but three of those years, the market ended the second half up. And so we're obviously waiting to see how things might unfold here in 2023, but that's something we've got an eye on. I will also say, interestingly, that the level of volatility this year has been dampened compared to historic levels and certainly compared to last year. So we do anticipate volatility uh, moving higher, but it hasn't quite happened yet. Now, as I mentioned, um, earnings are a key thing. Profit margins are a key thing. Profits have, the margins have declined some this year, and that's a little bit of a headwind. But uh, I will say that the forward-looking view on earnings has sort of bottomed out and that sort of view is, is recovering. So ultimately, what the market's anticipating is higher earnings next year, later into this year and next year. And so that's important, right, to understand that there's this foundation of growing earnings to support the markets as we, as we go forward. Now, I talked about the idea of higher rates um, a, a few moments ago really as a headwind uh, to the economy, a big, a big buildup of debt. And as that debt gets reset, you know, either matures and needs to be reissued, um, you know, basically borrowers are having to pay higher rates. Uh, but that's also kind of a true um, a situation on the investor side. So if we think about it from a market's perspective and what that might mean for the opportunities in fixed income, just to give you a sense of it, we go back prior to the financial crisis, the average for the decade prior to the financial crisis on the 10-year treasury was 5%. After the financial, price, uh, the financial crisis, for that subsequent decade, it averaged about 2%. And actually, during the pandemic, when the um, Fed actually lowered rates even further, the 10-year treasury averaged about 1.2%. And the, the thing to understand is now when we look at the current shape of the yield curve and the level of the yield curve, the 10-year yield, treasury yield is at about 4.3%. And that forward rate, so think of it as the 10-year expected 10 years from now is up to 5%. And then in 20 years, it's expected to be about 4.5%. So this is all translated to this idea that we are in a higher rate environment, a higher rate regime, if you excuse me, if you will, and, and that's pretty important. When we look at things like that treasury yield and then on top of it, the, the spreads, the different uh, areas of the market actually offer us that extra yield for taking on some risk, you know, th- things uh, actually look pretty good. Um, essentially, we're seeing, you know, all, ca- all kinds of categories, high-yield bonds, muni bonds, investment-grade bonds, asset-backed securities, mortgage-backed securities, and treasuries more purely, they're all operating at rates that are pretty close to um, or, or have hit 
their peak rates. And so uh, rates look very, very attractive. Now, of course, one of the things we're monitoring is um, essentially credit strain. So we watch the consumer for delinquencies. We watch the filing of new bankruptcies, bankruptcies on the corporate side. And what I would say is that we've seen a little bit of a tick up, but really back not even quite to the levels that were present before the pandemic. So again, we don't, we're not seeing anything uh, widen out or, or look too troublesome. So that's a little update on the markets. Now I just want to uh, sort of close out by talking about our, our approach to looking forward. We're going to continue to watch for the signposts for finding balance that we've talked about through the year. Things like um, uh, the idea that the Fed and the markets come into better alignment in terms of views looking forward. Things like a further softening labor market and improving earnings environment and and, um, and even hopefully some, some relief on the geopolitical side with the unfortunate war in Ukraine, for example, or some of the challenges going on in D.C. In D.C., for example, we're expecting... The possibility, according to our chief strategist, Brian Gardner, our chief Washington policy strategist, Brian Gardner, uh, the potential for a government shutdown later this month. We've got an impeachment um, thing happening uh, uh, of uh, President Biden by the House. Basically, they're looking into that and all kinds of other things that Brian has, has highlighted uh, included in all that is sort of the geopolitical tensions of the U.S. and China and our relationship there, which we've talked about many times. So that's another thing that's in focus. I'll also mention, of course, that we, we did offer some updates on our long-term investment things, things like the Fourth Industrial Revolution, stri- securing strategic resources, shifting demographics, the new consumer and productive competition. And uh, so those remain in focus as we look out for the longer term. We just remind um, our listeners to check out stiefelinsights.com. It's a website we make available with the bulk of our client-approved work. And, uh, and with that, I'm going to close out for this session. So again, what we see is a little bit firmer inflation. It does bring into question exactly where, uh, to a good degree, where the Fed's going to take things. And, uh, and, and so we'll keep an eye on that, both in the context of the economy, the further slowdown in the economy, and then the markets, both volatility, valuations, uh, where th- rates are going, etc. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to automatically receive each month's podcast in your feed.